We are downtown. We are historic. We are family. We are scriptural. We are First Baptist Church. Turn with me now, find on your listening sheet, we're going to read aloud a section of the reverse text from this week. And together we're going to read aloud Judges chapter 6, verses 25 through 27. So if you would turn there and stand with me. This then is the text for today. Now on the same night the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull and a second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal, which belongs to your father, and cut down the Asherah that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on the top of the stronghold in an orderly manner. And take a second bull and offer a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah, which you shall cut down. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had spoken to him. And because he was too afraid of his father's household and the men of the city to do it by day, he did it by night. May God bless the reading of his word. Israel's life is a traveling circus of brokenness. We keep hearing these episodes over and over again. We've seen two in particular in the last couple of weeks of how life was just broken before them. Uh, before uh, Deborah, we heard all of the roads and markets were empty. The economy had grinded to a halt because Jabin's army would torment Israel anytime they would leave their homes. Then last week, a generation later, Israel was hiding in the rocks of the hill country as the Midianites raided all their food. You see, for much of the Old Testament, as we read through uh, each book of the Bible in the Old Testament, Israel is a wandering people caught between their sin and their adversaries. And you know, being caught between your sin and your adversaries is a frigid existence that many of us have experienced in our own right. It's when one temptation leads to another and sin upon sin begins to pile up in ways that we no longer have any hope. See, that's where Israel was, beyond hope, caught in the frailty of their own temptations. And see, when you're there, it's hard to even envision God anymore. In our sin, it's hard to imagine who God might be, what God could do, or even how God could allow these kinds of things to happen in our lives. You see, just before the reverse text for today, what we were talking about last week, Midian had stolen all of their food for the seventh year in a row. It was then that Israel just fell into a pit of despair and, and there they, they finally gathered up enough gumption to look up to heaven and ask, ask why? So God, why are you doing this to us? God, why have you left us in this way? Why has everything fallen apart in our lives? And Gideon, at the end of last week's text, was asking the same question. Why do I have to endure this pain? Why am I the, the punching bag for half the world? That's years one through seven. But as we move into year eight, it was different. 
In fact, you could hear the difference echoing through the valley of Jezreel. God was moving after seven years of silence. The sound of his spirit rushed through the countryside as a warning to the Midianites. And all of this was brewing. It was coming at the hand of the Lord because Gideon was finally obedient. Now, before, when Israel was at their lowest and, and when, when God seemed most distant from them, there, there was something in particular happening in their lives and in, in their nation and in their family. See, life then, when life was at its lowest, revolved around a Baal altar and an Asherah pole. At Gideon's house, or maybe uh, more proper, it was his father's family farm. There was some high places. They were out in the hill country, and there were some rocky peaks and places that you could see forever. And up on one of those rocky places, there was an altar to Baal. Supposedly, this was to give them more. This is what we see. Baal was often associated with, with crops and the harvest and bringing the rains that you have, might have more. And Israel at this point seems to be trying to double up. They say, well, well, God has given us plenty, but if we worship God and Baal, we'll have double plenty. We'll have more than we could ever imagine. And so they were drifting off to worshiping Baal and other things. The same, at the same time, they were bowing to the Asherah. And this was supposed to bring them pleasure, the goddess of sexual fulfillment. In fact, under this goddess of sexual fulfillment, you had all kinds of opportunities that were not allowed under Yahweh, things that weren't allowed under holy scriptures. You could chase if you were worshiping the Asherah, and so they did. And there at the high point of the family farm, these altars stood for the whole community. These superstitions were serious business. And you see, every time they decided to, to walk up that hill and stand before those altars, it was like they were laying down sand, that the foundations of their life become this sandy mess rather than what God had intended for them. You see, they had already known that, that, that if they were building their life in and around the truth of God, it, it's like pouring this solid foundation of solid rock, like pouring concrete as the foundation of your life. But every decision that is apart from God is like pouring sand instead of concrete. That sand becomes the foundation of your life. And so when they started, there was a little bit of God over in the corner. But every decision of their life and every decision of their families, they just kept adding sand upon sand. They just kept going to Baal or Asherah and pouring out the sand instead of the concrete to build their life upon. Every time you worship anything other than our God, you're pouring down a shaky foundation. In fact, you're building your life upon, uh, upon a foundation that will buckle at the slightest trouble. And Israel had, had gotten to the point in their lives where, where they're just surrounded by so much sand they had forgotten where the solid rock was. They had forgotten their foundation in God, their Savior. You see, what you see happening in Gideon's family at this point is they had slipped away from the Lord. And the further they slipped away from the Lord, the further they forgot about him, the more the pain came upon their life. 
And as they slipped away, the community began to slip away. And as the community began to slip away from the, slip away from the Lord, so did the nation. And, you know, I know we worry about our nation. We worry about the idols that we see popping up all around us. And, and people are fighting diligently for, for national solutions to spiritual problems. But, but let me remind you this morning, there are no national solutions to spiritual problems. The only way spiritual problems are solved are under the lordship of Jesus Christ and submitting to him with all that we are. And when I say spiritual problems, I mean all the mess that we see around us and about us. And what we recognize in all of the mess and chaos of culture that is around us is we see the same thing that's happening in Gideon's life. That all of this begins and ends at home. You see, the problems that Israel were facing at this point were completely because Gideon's family had a Baal altar and an Asherah pole at their home. You know, we get lulled asleep by those actions. You see, we, we don't see the ramifications immediately. We, we don't see immediately the ramifications of having an idol worship site on your property because, because the, 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 the wave of pain doesn't come until later. It takes time. It, it, and, and the same thing with the degradation of society. It, it takes years, even though it only took a short time to build those altars. And, you know, we get lulled asleep at home. We think, well, it's not that big of a deal. You see, in the grand scheme of things, does, does it really matter if my spiritual life isn't right? But let me tell you this morning, it, it, it matters. It, it, it deeply matters. It's, it's everything. Your relationship with Jesus Christ and where you stand with him this morning is everything. And I, I want you to hear me here. The best thing that you can do for our country is to get your life right with Jesus Christ this morning. Jesus Christ is the foundation upon which we build everything else. If you're working to solve anything apart from Jesus Christ, it will fail. It will fall. If Jesus Christ is not at the center of it, it will disintegrate into nothing. See, and I have to be honest, you know, I, I know my first inclination is to think, well, my family's not as bad as Gideon's family. I mean, what kind of mess were they in? I don't, I don't have an altar at my house to bail. I don't, I don't have anything in my home that could even be mistaken for worship of some other god. But we miss the mark when we think this way. You know, when we hear idol, don't just immediately assume that's somebody that has a golden calf sitting in their front yard. To my knowledge, none of us have golden calves sitting in our front yard. But there are all kinds of other things that we worship. There are all kinds of things that come in and out of our life that steal our attention and our heart away from the Lord. You know, often we see folks worshiping their careers or sometimes even worshiping their children. But I'll tell you, more prominent today and more often what we see and what we, see, what we hear is the deification of self. And for most of us, that's what we find in our homes, a shrine to our own comfort where everything is about me and making my life easier. You know, I think we, we more readily um, recognize ourselves with Hosea. In fact, if you'll turn with me, Hosea chapter 13, this is, this is also where Israel is hearing uh, uh, their, 
their, their sin against the Lord and, and how they have fallen away from the Lord. In Hosea chapter 13, verse 6, this is a lot more closely aligned with where we are today. As they had their pasture, so the Lord had taken care of them. The Lord had given them their sustenance and their food. So they had everything that they needed. They had their pasture, and they became satisfied. And being satisfied, their heart became proud. Therefore, they forgot me. You see, one of the traps that we fall into in this country is that we have been satisfied, we have been fed, and we have been fed upon fed. And so in that, we start to think that as all of our needs have been met and as we have been living in comfort, we start to think that all of these things happen at our own hands, that it was because we are good, it was because we have done something holy. But that's not the case. It was at the hand of God. We can't forget who He is and what He has done for us. And so we worship ourselves and our own hands. But, but the self isn't all that, that we worship. You know, one of the ways that we can come about this is we might ask ourselves questions like, when you make a schedule or when you make a budget, what's the first thing on the list? What's the first thing you write down when you're making your budget? What's the first thing you write down when you're making the schedule for your week? Because whatever comes first is often a sign of who you worship. Is your comfort first, or is the Lord first? Now, let me give you another one, too. How might you fix brokenness? When something in this world goes wrong, where, where do you run? Who do you call when life is falling apart? When you are faced with the real problems of this world, problems you have no idea how to fix, problems you can't fix in your own strength, when you face real problems, what is your reaction? Who do you run to when those things happen? Because if Israel gives us another terrible example of what to do when life is falling apart and how it represents who you worship. In fact, if you turn with me to Isaiah chapter chapter 30. We're going to look at a couple of places here in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 30. This, this is what Israel did, and this is representative of who they were worshiping and what they were doing. Isaiah 30, verse 1. Woe to you, rebellious children, declares the Lord, who execute a plan, but not mine, make an alliance, but not of my spirit, in order to add sin unto sin who proceed down to Egypt without consulting me to take refuge in the safety of Pharaoh and to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. Do you see what they're doing? They're having significant problems in their own way, and what they do is they run to Egypt, they run to Pharaoh, they run to politicians, they run to the ways and things of this world to find a solution to the problems that they were facing. And God is saying, why are you running to Egypt? Why do you run to Pharaoh? I am your God. I am the one who has provided you for you from day one. Why are you going to them? And the same thing, if you turn over to Isaiah chapter 31, verse 1, says a very similar thing. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses and trust in chariots because they are many and horsemen because they are very strong, but they do not look to the Holy One of Israel, nor do they seek the Lord. You see, you're going to face severe brokenness in this world. And who you run to is a sign of who you worship. In those moments in Isaiah Israel ran back to Pharaoh, he that had enslaved them, instead of running to their Redeemer. And so these kinds of things are our idols. They're not manipulated metals, but many gods pouring out sand all around us, compromising the foundations of our families and compromising the foundations of our communities and the foundation of our nation, so that it's all about to fall into a terrifying pit of despair. 
thankfully, Scripture does not end there. In fact, when we turn back to Judges chapter 6, God very plainly tells Gideon the answer. He says, this is where you need to go. And in the same way, the Lord gives us the answer. For them, it was found and through Gideon. For us, it is found and through Jesus Christ. Now, in that day, in Judges chapter 6, God tells Gideon to go and tear down the altar that was on his family farm. And I want you to listen to, to what's happening here. Though you have run to other gods and though you have run to others for help and brokenness and though you have separated yourself from the Lord, it is not too late to make things right. It's not, not too late this morning. We can run back into the arms of our heavenly Father. See, this, this, is, this was the Lord calling Gideon to repentance, to rip those idols out of his heart and out of his life so that God can reign supreme. He's saying, Gideon, for, for you to, to lead and for you to see the glory of God all around you, you have to get rid of these idols that are in your life so that they will not take the credit for the things God has done, so that nobody could even think in, in the, the slightest hesitation that it might not be our God above. And he says, get rid of those things. Tear them down and replace them with the Lord our God. You see, if the Lord is convicting you about sin, or if the Lord is convicting you of idols in your life, if he's convicting you of, of where you spend your time or where you run for help, tear them down and tear them out. You see, what God promises throughout Scripture, and this is Jesus' call on the church throughout the New Testament, that if you repent of those things that God has convicted you of, then you will be made right. See, if you will tear them down and tear them out, if you'll change your attitude, if you'll change your direction, God will forgive you and God will restore you. It is not too late for those of us who remain. You know, what you see in this text is here with Gideon, God specifically calls him to action. And, and he calls him to action. And, and in that moment, it, it's before the whole community. And so as Gideon recognizes that, that this, this idol that's on their family farm represents the whole community, it doesn't just represent their family, he knew that there was going to be deep pain coming. In fact, he knew there was going to be trouble and so he's fearful. What we see in this text, that even in his fear, he is obedient unto the Lord. He follows through. And, and that's, what, that's what God calls us. No, no matter what our flesh is feeling, we need to follow through in obedience unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and if we will push back against the flesh and follow through with obedience, we will be blessed with a relationship with the Lord that will sustain us forever and be the solid ground that we can walk on. You know, as fearful as you are to repent and as fearful as you are to take these idols out of your life, if you will act and obey, if you will repent and tear down, God will use it for good. God will restore your life and God will, will restore your life. And out of that, God will restore the community. And as God restores the community, in turn, it will remedy the nation. Repentance begets redemption. It is coming by the work and cross of Jesus Christ. You know, there's, there's a line here, too, I don't want us to miss. It's in Judges chapter 6, verse 26. Look down there with me. 
God calls him to, to build an altar to the Lord and says, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this stronghold in an orderly manner. See, remember, the, these altars had been up on a high place, probably visible to the community, up in a protected area in, in the, the rocks of the hill country. And God says, if you will tear down those altars that are up there, if you will get rid of those idols that are in front of you, we will turn this into a stronghold of the kingdom of God. You see, last week we, we found Gideon, and he was hiding in fear. He was threshing wheat in a wine press. And now God's saying, we will raise you up and, and you will stand strong in the kingdom of God. You will have the sure footing of the truth of God's word and, and you will know and have a stronghold for the Lord. You see, in repentance before God, God will prepare you to face the arrows of the evil one. You see, as we stand with the Lord, we, we will be able and prepared to face the chaos that surrounds us in this world because those things, they're going to be there and they're going to be on the horizon while we're on this side of eternity. And God says, don't worry about those things. Don't fear those things. If you are with me, I will protect you. If you are with me, you are in the stronghold of the kingdom of God, and I will be your protection and your hope through all of it. The arrows of the evil one will not penetrate, and the chaos of this world will not sweep you away because you know the salvation of the Lord. You know, it's kind of like this. When we repent and we find ourselves just standing in quicksand. It's almost as if God kind of gathers all of that up, including our life, and he pulls it together, and he puts us onto the concrete foundation that is Jesus Christ. And so together this morning, let us tear down in the spirit of the Lord. Let us tear down those temptations that are steering us away from God. Let, let us tear down those shrines to ourselves. Let, let, let us tear down the idols that are in our life this morning and surrender to Jesus Christ. Because if we will surrender unto our Lord, all will be well. Let's pray together. Lord, we recognize that this day is monumental because this is the day that we're living in. This is the day that matters. Yesterday is past and tomorrow is not promised, but today we are here before you. And Lord, all, the only thing we can do is, is be obedient to you today. And so, Lord, we pray that in your spirit you would spark obedience among us that you would search our hearts and you would rip out the sin and temptation that is hiding in the shadows, Lord, and that you would heal our heart that we might live in the light and holiness of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, would you build us up today into something holy? But would you start with us as individuals and would you rally us together as families? And Lord, would you build us up as a church family that we might stand strong as a bright light to this community and to this nation? that we might see transformation of individuals that would lead to transformation of this community. Lord, we pray that you would come and make it so in our hearts, in this church. It's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.